My name is Lindsay Shea, and you are listening to Boxed. I seen the McGinney at her, and I said, Tony, I said, you need to leave that girl alone, she's in trouble. Four weeks later, or five weeks later, I come home, and my daddy showed me the front newspaper, or in the paper where Tony was arrested for murder. So I came into this story in my hometown of Greensboro, North Carolina. And let me say, as I dug into this case, and I rev and read, and I dug through boxes and read some more, the more I dug, the crazier things got. There are so many questions. This series is going to be a journey, so let's start with what happened that cold Friday night on February 10th of 1989. So there's really two main characters in this story. There's Tony Walker and Mary Sue Whitaker. Tony Walker was in a relationship with Mary Sue Whitaker. They had been romantically involved since the previous summer of 1988. Tony was married, but his wife was fully aware of his relationship with Mary Sue at the time. Mary Sue was also married. Tony was 33 years old and worked at the overhead door company in Greensboro. Mary Sue was 27 years old, and she was a waitress. They were very open about their relationship, even though they were both married at the time. So they had been seeing each other for a little over half a year. And it was a cold Friday night in February, and after work, Tony and Mary Sue met up and got a room at the Motel 6 on Greenhaven Road in Greensboro. Little did they know, this night would change both of their lives forever. Around 9.45 p.m. that night, police officer Sandra Jenkins of the Greensboro Police Department responded to a call concerning a shooting in room 229 at the Motel 6. Mary Sue Whitaker was on the floor. She had died from a gunshot wound to the right temple. Tony Walker was charged with first-degree murder on October 17, 1990, and he's been in prison ever since. But what really happened in room 229 that night at the Motel 6? So Tony Walker said that he had picked up Mary Sue that night, and he could tell that she had been drinking. They went to get a room at the Motel 6 to hang out and discuss their relationship, He left to go by the ABC store and to also get some snacks at a convenience store. When he returned, they were discussing their relationship, and they got into an argument. He told her he was going to go back with his wife. They concluded they would be friends. It was sometime after 9.30 when all this happened, and he said he heard the click of the gun, and before he could do anything, Mary Sue had shot herself in the right temple with his gun. Now, after the police got to the motel room that night, Sandra Jenkins told some of the other officers to take Tony downtown. It's February and it's cold, so Tony asked Jenkins if he can grab his leather jacket that was lying across the back of the chair where his gun was at. She says yes, he grabs his jacket, and is taken downtown. He's put into an interrogation room for hours before Detective Ed Hill comes in. Tony was questioned downtown without a lawyer. He told them what happened that night in the room that Mary Sue had picked up his gun and shot herself. Detective Hill asked him to sign a statement that night, and Tony told him, quote, He was a stupid SOB to think he'd sign a piece of paper he couldn't read. Tony says that the detective had written the statement in shorthand or something because he couldn't read what it said. Tony said that he talked to police and gave them a statement because he wanted to be honest. He said he was questioned without a lawyer, and he really didn't think he needed one. He'd never been in any trouble before, so he really just didn't know. 
Now, Tony had no criminal record prior to this. He just worked and liked to ride his Harley-Davidson bike. Friends described Tony as kind, polite. Tony was honored in 1973 at Southern Guilford High School for not missing one day of school in 12 years. Friends say he loved school, and he did well in his grades. The teachers loved him. He always had a smile on his face and treated everyone with respect. Tony's childhood friend, Larry Osborne, talks about Tony in school. And I knew I've been knowing him all my life. He never missed a day in school. He was, since the first grade, he's never missed a day in school. He was a, a good honor roll student. He played football for Southern Gifford High School, and he was a good football player. When he got out of that, he went to work. Daryl LeVan is an old friend of Tony's as well. He just always was a good person. He never bothered or harmed nobody. And he always got along with everybody. He didn't never get in arguments and stuff like that. He was just a good person. Childhood friends describe fond memories of spending time with Tony at home, playing, riding horses, and bikes. Larry talks about how he first met Tony. Well, since I known Tony, I was like when I was six, seven years old, and we all lived in the neighborhood together, which and we lived in the country. He lived probably about a mile and a half from us. And when everybody wanted to go riding bicycles, my brother and him was old enough to ride bicycles. I was little, and they'd always leave me in the yard and everything. But Tony would put me on the back of his bike and take me wherever they went so I could be with them because I cried in the yard wanting to go, and my brother didn't care if I stayed there or not. So Tony took care of me and took me everywhere we went. Where they rode, he took and carried me all the way around everywhere we went and then brought me back home. His boss at the overhead door company in Greensboro testified as a character witness for Tony at his trial. He also said that if Tony ever did get out of jail, he'd always have a job with him. So let's talk about Mary Sue for a minute. It was brought out in Tony's trial that she had a long psychiatric history. She was diagnosed as chronically dysfunctional with depressive neurosis, suicide ideation, and depression. A psychologist testified at trial that Mary Sue suffered from a borderline personality disorder and presented a high risk of suicide. Her therapist at a mental health clinic even had her sign a suicide contract so that if she did commit suicide, like she told the therapist that she intended to, the therapist wouldn't be held liable. A friend of Mary Sue's testified in court that in early February of 1989, just shortly before her death, Mary Sue had cried to her and told her that she would kill herself before she would live without Tony. She had even taken the same gun previously and tried to kill herself, according to witness testimony at trial. A witness testified at trial that Tony and Mary Sue had lived with him for around three weeks, and he came home one night and saw Mary Sue with the gun to her head, threatening to kill herself. He said Tony was pleading with her to put the gun down, to which she finally did. Jane Perrin was a psychologist who testified at the trial, and she stated that a person with borderline personality disorder was a high suicide risk and was likely to be impulsive, and that a person with this type of disorder could very well be a severe suicide risk. Mary Sue had had traumatic experiences, and Perrin also testified at trial that people who commit suicide often experience a traumatic early life history, 
and that people who make these threats of suicide are at risk of harming themselves. She also testified that Mary Sue's statement that she didn't want to live if she couldn't live with half Tony was consistent with the possibility that she was at a high risk for suicide if she believed or even thought that Tony may reject or abandon her. Tony's friend Larry Osborne says that he knew of Mary Sue before Tony started seeing her. I knew Mary Sue when uh, we, as I got older, I got Mary Harley and went. We used to go to bars and stuff and shoot pool. And I remember her uh, through life. She married this guy that I know. His name was Sandy Edwards, and uh, I think they had their falling out off and on and everything, but. One thing I noticed about her, she had a lot of cut marks on her wrist. I said, Tony, what are you doing with her? And he said, well, he said, I just met her up there at the bar. She wanted to go ride, and I brought her down there. I said, well, look, man. I said, I think that girl's trouble. I don't think we need to, you know, I don't look, appreciate you bringing her down here or nothing like that because have you looked at her arm where she's got all them cut marks? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, he said, man, she's a nice girl and everything like that. So I told him they just need to go on. Daryl LeVan says that Larry was just trying to warn Tony. And Larry was just trying to get him to get away from her because he knew she wasn't that but trouble. So Mary Sue had threatened suicide prior to this, had even went as far to have attempted suicide prior to this, and had told people that if she couldn't be with Tony, she would kill herself. So how did Tony end up convicted of first-degree murder? Yeah, that's my question, too. 